This episode of The Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to The Logic family our friends at HotSpring. HotSpring is the future of VFX outsourcing. HotSpring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. If you need any help with Roto, Paint, 3D Match Move, or Cleanup, I highly encourage you to give the folks at HotSpring a shout. You will not be disappointed www.hotspring.com. Noah Poole, junior flame artist. So how you doing, man? What's going on? What have you been up to lately? Pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I'm doing this now and I haven't worked in like three weeks, so I probably don't even remember anything about flame, but we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But it's actually been really nice. Um, just to have December off. I'm, I'm booked for all of January and February, so it's a little easier for me to just relax. And normally, if I'm not working for, you know, a month at a time, I might be a little worried. But yeah, plenty of work lined up in the future. So it's 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 been nice to chill out. It evens itself out. I noticed that too. Yeah. Like sometimes you'll be like booked and then you're like, oh man, I could really use some time off and then you get the time off and then you're like, oh, I need to be booked again. Totally. <laughs> Well, glad to have you on here. I'd love to hear more about you coming up in the flame world, your background, and what originally got you into flame. And actually, you and I worked together earlier this year, right, at Widening Kennedy? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was for a KFC job and also for like uh, Travel Oregon. Yeah, those were those were some fun jobs. But mostly, I'd love to get to know you a little more and hear about how you came up through editorial and also working on some short films on the side. So yeah, let's dive right in, man. Start at the beginning. Yeah, that was, it was, that was a cool project, the stop motion and stuff. Yeah, so the very beginning. Um, I guess I'd never even thought about getting into post. I when I went to film school, I was like really interested in set design and construction and stuff like that. Then I moved to Austin, Texas after school, and there wasn't a lot of work for that sort of thing. And I was pretty good with computers, so I just ended up doing various. Uh, I mean, I did a lot of different stuff, but let's see. I worked at like a small rental house, and then did a bunch of PA work and that sort of thing. And then I, my first real job was at an ad agency, um, GSDNM, like the big one in town there. And I was working in the AV studio, um, doing like assistant editing stuff, um, making tapes. Cause this was way back in the day when you had to, people wanted reels and you had to like grab a bunch of director reels and put them on three quarter tape. And then that just kind of, I don't know, that was good because I was sort of immersed in every aspect of of everything and i you know i really like i said i didn't intend to get into post but i really enjoyed it and then i moved to new york and just kind of freelanced for a while again doing a little bit of everything did some pa work i had a buddy who worked at a lighting warehouse so i drove a truck all over manhattan delivering grip and electric equipment i did assistant editing i really started to get into doing motion graphics and after effects work. And that I think by that point, I was realizing that's sort of where I wanted to go. Like that's where my interest was, you know, motion graphics, compositing, um, visual effects, all that sort of stuff. What kind of projects were you working on in after effects? I did some commercial stuff. I did a lot of like indie films and promos and that sort of thing. Um, it was really kind of all over the place. Yeah. After that, um, I met my wife, we got married, we moved to Portland, Oregon, where I got a job at Wyden Kennedy. And I was an assistant editor there at first, which 
I knew how to assist and edit, but it was sort of a step back for me. It wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. It turns out it served me well now because um, I have been on the other side of the conform and the prep process. Uh, but it was um, just kind of a small in-house editorial studio. And then they decided to make a finishing department. And I had been you know, hoping to get back into compositing and that sort of thing. And it had actually gotten to the point where out of the assistant editor pool, if any editors needed like an offline comp or something, they would come straight to me because they knew I could, I was capable to pull that kind of thing off in After Effects for them. And so it was pretty easy for me once the finish department started up to be like, yo, can I go over to the other side of the building and learn flame with y'all? And uh, yeah, then I did that for a couple of years. Then I moved to LA and I've been freelancing since. How long after Oregon did you end up moving to LA? Almost five years ago. And I was in Oregon for four years. That was cool. How'd you like it up there? It seems like it's a fun place. <laughs> it is. It's a really fun place. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I still go back and visit there all the time. I still work for Widening Kennedy a lot. It was, I think my wife and I left New York thinking we wanted to get out of the big city. And then after spending a little time in the small town of Portland, uh, we, we were kind of like, we should go back to the big city. So that's how we ended up in LA. But we we still fondly remember it and have a ton of friends there. And like I said, get back all the time. But LA's a little more our speed. So when you were working at Wyden and Kennedy, uh, when you were going from assistant or working on After Effects, and all of a sudden you were moving over working on more flame stuff, was there a moment where you actually had like your first session where you were on your own? Or were you working closely with like another senior artist for a while? It started off and there was uh, one lead artist um, that I worked with, and they would bring in freelancers a lot too. And the way they had it set up was, you know, they would have the actual Linux flame and then an iMac off in the corner of the room. So I did spend a lot of time in sessions, but I was just kind of the quiet dude off to the side helping out. And um, <laughs> yeah, then I can't remember specifically when I started to lead rooms and stuff, but I'm 100% sure that it was just QCing a ton of versions with the client last looks. Producer asks you to tweak the opacity on the legal, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's, I don't know. It was a pretty easy transition because it was kind of low stakes to just sit in the room with the client and see a lot of that going on. And then when it was just me in a room with the client, it was all delivery stuff, which um, yeah, I could do with my eyes closed. So it's it was mostly just about kind of entertaining them and uh, <laughs> trying to be an interesting person to work with. That's what I always think of like when I think of flame artist versus like, I don't know, maybe maybe Nuke. I, I'm not 100% sure how the Nuke world works when it comes to clients, but I always thought like the big part of being a flame artist is also being able to entertain the clients as well. I feel almost that maybe if, if, if anything, it could totally. maybe even be 75% of our job sometimes is like how personally, yeah, how personal can you be with them? Can you get what they need? Can you understand totally. almost like reading their minds in a way? Um, but I always felt like that was a really big part of our job too, is just being able to sit with clients. And also with that, a huge part of my career too has always been sitting in front of clients. Like I never really did mm -hmm. well being an island off in the back or like doing my own thing or whatever. I was like, I always constantly had like questions or interactions too. So so I was never the one to, to kind of sit back and do that. But yeah, I always felt like a totally. big part of our jobs was like being able to entertain, but like in a way where it's like getting their feedback and then how to like translate their feedback yes. and then put it to something in the comp what they can see. Sort of coaxing the right, right words out of them and interpreting it for them. And yeah, they, 
usually you, you have to figure out what they want, even though they can't usually articulate what they want. Yeah, you have to translate their brain, basically. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so what do you feel is like your learning style? How do you learn new things? Like, how do you approach the unknown? Maybe when it comes to a comp or something like what is your best learning style? Yeah, my best learning style is just to have a deadline and have to get something done. Like I, <laughs> I can do tutorials, you know, and I've watched a ton of the Grant K videos and all that. And it is great and helpful, but it's more like when I'm in a pinch and I cannot figure out how to do a certain thing. And I look up one of those videos and I skip to exactly what I need and just sort of piecemeal together my own tutorial to get a practical problem that I'm dealing with in real life solved. And I think it's, yeah, just actually working on real stuff. For me, there's no substitute to that. And of course, always being unafraid to ask for help or tell someone you can't do something. That's that's pretty big. It took me a while to figure that out. But people are always happy to help and it's in everyone's best interest to get the job done. So if you can't make a track work or something or you don't know how something works, Instead of just sitting there trying to pretend and hope you figure it out, it's way easier to just say, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. That's really important, too. There was a logic lab I did with um, Austin Campbell where we talk about that, too, where you just you can't be scared to ask for help. And my thing, too, at the very beginning mm -hmm. was I, I'm scared someone's going to be judging me like, oh, Amanda doesn't know how to do that. Well, then she doesn't know flame or something like that. And totally. I was just really, really scared. Like the imposter syndrome. We talk about that. Like, what if I don't know how to do this? Are they going to be mad? Are they going to tell the producer? And then I realized like when you just ask mm. for help, the flame community is so cool that you ask for help, they help you and we move on with our day. Because if you think about it, we're all a team. We're all doing it together. We're all trying totally. to figure it out, especially yeah. if it's an artist that you're sitting next to and working on the same job with. Like, there's no threat. It's like, we're all doing this together. So I, I took me a little bit mostly yeah. because it was like the pride and ego, like, oh man, I hope they're not judging. But honestly, it, it doesn't matter. They don't care. They want to help. And if anything, by them teaching you something, you can help them with something they're working on too. And it took me a while to figure that out. Yeah, if you do this long enough, like even the biggest badasses in the world sometimes have stuff that you do and they're like, wait, how'd you do that? What was that? You know, it's, it's, uh, everyone has something to learn from everyone else. They do. And, and some of my best friends are flame artists too. So sometimes I'll ask them like my best friend, Glenn Bennett, I'll ask him too about something. And his thing is just paint it, always paint it, always paint it. I was like, okay, okay, I get it. That's like an old school method. He's like, oh no, no, it still works. And he will show yeah. me and get it done in 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, I've been working on this for like an hour. <laughs> so it's, it's always fun to, yeah. to get the methods. And I like to say old school and new school because old school artists didn't necessarily have the YouTube channels and all that stuff back in the day when mm -hmm. they were learning. Um, but, and now, mm -hmm. and, and, and this even brings me back to Crystal. I did a podcast with her yesterday and she was talking about, she's kind of the same way as me. We're very analytical brain. So I need to sit with someone. I need to ask questions and I'm going to ask why a million times. So I'll watch very amazing Grant K videos, right? All the fun videos that we have on there. But sometimes yeah. I'm just like, I'll mess up one little thing. And I'm like, why isn't this working? And I'll do it again. I'm like, it's still not, no, it's like got a different result and it's still not working. But like, I just ask so many mm -hmm. questions. So I actually need to sit with someone. Sometimes I can't learn on my own. I don't, I don't know what it is. I've tried so many times. It's got to be simple and then I'll get it. But more complex stuff, I definitely need to sit with someone else and ask a lot of questions. Absolutely. And for me, that's been the hardest part about working remotely is I really miss just being in a room and picking up tricks and just even sometimes by osmosis getting new info into your brain, which this is where, uh, you know, 
I should plug the Logic community yes. has been awesome during the pandemic <laughs> for the Discord and the and the forum. It's really filled that that hole in my learning career. That's really good to hear. Yeah, and that's really kind of the whole point of us too is to keep everyone still together and included and and to do that kind of stuff. And Randy did a whole facelift on the on Discord. So you can see the rooms where you can go in there and screen share. And I know John's in there a lot too. And sometimes I'll peek in there. I haven't been able to lately, but it was like we wanted to create and Jeff Kyle is really good about like getting that stuff up and rolling with Discord as well. But just to create that community of like, I have a question and I need someone if anyone's available to jump in this room. And it's really cool. There was a couple times like a few months ago I was in there and there was like five people like, no, try this or try this, like helping me just like do something with like a mask, like stupid simple. But it was like, I just wanted to find another way. Mm -hmm. And it was so nice for people to come in there and help. I think it was like somebody in like Germany and someone in Australia, you know, it was just like people like around the world mm-hmm. were able to come in and help. And so I thought it was really cool having that space on Discord to do that. So do you find yourself working more directly with clients or are you mostly like post houses and they're the median for the clients? Yeah, I'm much more of just a gun for hire. Like I rarely even find myself on a job from start to finish. When I work for smaller studios, then it's more likely that I will be there for the conform, VFX work, delivery. But when I work for some of the larger places, I might work on like three different things during the day and have no context for what I'm doing and just be like, hey, here's a shot. Uh, put a logo on this box in the background and just go for it. So it's I, I kind of like working like that because there's like no stress. But it also is nice to sometimes see a project from start to finish because you actually have a little more ownership of it and you can, I don't know, feel feel proud of the thing you made. And, and it's also easier to learn from other people when you're watching other people struggle with shots yeah. or kind of over the course of the, the duration of the project, like see what they're doing and how their versions iterate up and everything. Pluses and minuses to both sides. But yeah, like I said, I think usually smaller studios, like there are some editorial places that just have like a flame and maybe it's me and one other person working together and it's on the whole campaign start to finish. No, I hear you. Some of the places that I work at that I've had a relationship for a long time, when I go in and work on a job or if I'm working on the same job with say like 10 other artists, like a huge job, sometimes if I have like a little bit of downtime or I stay late, I'll ask them like, can I open your batch? Like, I'm just curious. We're working on like the same setup. Yeah. Like, is it okay? And like 99% of the time, everyone's like, yeah, sure, go right ahead. And then there's always this one person that's kind of like, okay, it's not the cleanest. It's not the best. Like, I don't know if you want to look at that one, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, I want to see like everybody's style and how they do deal with it. And pretty much everyone's just like, yeah, go right ahead. Ask me any questions, which I think is really cool. That's what I really like about that. Yeah. Another thing about, I think just the community in general, like, I don't think I've ever worked with someone who was like protective of their techniques or like cagey about how they do stuff or I don't know. Everyone's always seems to be so enthusiastic to, you know, show you what they're doing or, or how it works if they have time. Yeah, if they have time. But I, I definitely agree, though. Like, it's been really, really nice when I ask someone like, hey, I just want to like open up your batch and take a look at how you did this. And usually the next response is, yeah, ask me if you like, let me know if you have any questions. So I always thought that was really cool, too. What's your secret for finding the work and staying engaged in the work that you get? That's kind of a tough one because it's been a while since I've had to work hard to find something. It seems like when the pandemic started, I was 
kind of out of work for a while and it was tough, but after maybe half a year, like that summer when things kicked back in, like, and I'm sure you've dealt with this too. Like, it's just so busy. Like you, I have people emailing me all the time and I have gotten kind of lazy about like trying to reach out or that sort of thing, just cause I don't know. It's the, the industry right now seems so busy that things are always falling in my lap. Um, before that though, I don't really have a good answer. My answer is, uh, I don't know, work, work hard and be a good person to work with. And then other people will recommend you. Or if you, when I first moved here, my old boss at joint widening Kennedy, he just out of nowhere emailed like 10 different people he had worked with back when he was in LA and was like, Hey, here's this guy, Noah. He's a great flame assist. You should meet up with him. Like word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Was that your cat meowing in the background? That's funny. It was. Her name is Mooney, um, and she usually sleeps all day, but of course, right before we were about to do this, she woke up and I gave her food, locked her out of the room, but it's she's still out there meowing. <laughs> so how's your son? He's good. He's good. Um, I think I have to go pick him up from daycare after this because he's a little sick. So I don't know. Since he started daycare, he's only gone like 50% of the time because he's constantly getting sick. It's I don't know if this is just because I'm tuned into parent stuff or if you've read in the news like there's just a ton of like it's extra bad with like daycares right now and everyone's getting sick but it's fine yeah it's flu rsv covid and then just general colds i think but yeah it's pretty nuts how how old is he now uh he's 14 months which for people who don't have kids that's a year and two months i i never thank you i'm I'm, I'm still (laughs) trying to get used to (laughs) to all the like parent vernacular um yeah, he's good. He can walk now. He can't really talk yet, but he is a ton of fun. And freelancing combined with working from home has been really terrific for having a kid because childcare oh, is good. incredibly difficult to figure out. And I was able to take a lot of time off after he was born. My wife has a normal job, so mm-hmm. she took some maternity leave. But yeah, it was it was really nice to be able to to keep one foot in the flame world and stick another foot in the fatherhood world. It's good that you're able to find that balance right now and that you're able to take some time and work from home remote. So it's been good Mm. for you. So that's good. Yeah. Did you happen to go to art school or anything like that? Like any college for art or drawing design? Uh, Not for art. I mean, I took a bunch of art classes when I was a kid and stuff, but I'm not really technically trained with anything. I went to film school, a place called Full Sail in Florida which was really just a year. I got an associate's degree. It was more of a trade school. Yeah, it's, I, I feel like everything I've learned how to do has been on the job. Kind of like I was saying earlier, like that's the best way for me to learn and it's also the main way I've learned. Is there anything in particular that you like to work on comp-wise? What's kind of something that you like to work on? This is going to sound crazy, but I really like big deliveries. I like slating a million things, keeping things organized. It like, <laughs> feels like you're getting something done, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's and it, it, it scratches this itch in my brain to sort of be super organized and, you know, have it together. And it always feels good to have someone ask you a question and be like, oh, yeah, it's like this or that and point to something on a giant spreadsheet and like you actually have been keeping track of it. It's, it's a great feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's a good feeling. It's basically Tetris. Totally. I do also really like doing shot work, though. 
and I, again, this might be a really basic answer, but like, I love doing basic cleanup, removing stuff in the backgrounds, uh, doing painting and roto and just the, the simple, easy stuff that just takes time. I, I really like just putting on music and kind of zoning out and spending hours mm-hmm. working on a couple frames, you know? Didn't you mention that you were doing some short films with AFI too? Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so I have an old friend that I know from back in the New York days. She was actually friends with my wife. And she has been directing, um, doing a lot of different film work, but she is a director. And I've helped her out on a lot of her shorts and stuff that she's done doing VFX work. And she, I guess maybe like four years ago, got into uh, AFI's workshop for women directors. Sorry, I don't remember the actual name of it. And she worked on a film uh, that I did a bunch of the visual effects work, which was fun. There was a lot of, um, you know, just cleanup and replacing signs and that sort of thing. But there was also some earthquake stuff I got to do with like comping in dust and making cracks and beams and that sort of thing, which was fun. Um, But uh, yeah, so that kind of got me into that world. And then I've ended up through that uh, working on a couple different AFI student films, which is always pretty fun. It's working with a with kids who don't really know what you can do is awesome because something that to us is like the simplest cleanup or stitching shots together, it just blows their mind. And it's really cool, (laughs) I think, for young filmmakers to realize that stuff's possible. Yeah, and it is frame by frame. That's kind of like the the number one comment I get when I say like Roto or tracking or like Mm -hmm. frame by frame, every frame. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. It's funny how the machine help. The machine also helps you with it too. Yeah, totally, but totally. <laughs> technically, yeah. it is every frame. Yeah, yeah. And you did something for um, like uh, the the film was it Hello from Taiwan? Is that what you said? It was yes, called? and that's that's actually the the one that my friend directed the AFI workshop. That's cool. And was there other films that like other student films that you worked on as well, or like little things here and there? Did you get your own projects on the side that you've been working on too? Yeah, it's it's funny. I do. Basically, if you want help with VFX and you ask me, I'll probably do it if I have time. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever the level of, of the film or or the budget. So I have worked on a bunch of stuff like that. But the weird thing is I kind of don't do my own. I don't do flame for personal projects or anything at all. I don't really do any video projects. Like I mostly try to when I have time off, like, I don't know, I've got a million hobbies, Um Oh, nice. What hobbies are you into? Um, I don't know. I just I just like to to draw, to you know, play guitar, um, art, music, cooking, whatever. Yeah, it's it's nothing nothing like that uh, specialized or that I'm like super talented at. It's just stuff that I really like to do. You don't have like a secret like cooking TikTok or anything? <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, <laughs> I do have like some artwork and music stuff on my website though. If anyone wants to check it out, what's your website? Uh, noahpool.com it's it's been before I don't know like right after film school and before film school I was really excited about making films and doing my own thing but I think just working professionally it's for you know so long it's I I get it all out of my system at work while I'm getting paid and then when I'm not working and I want to do something for my own gratification it ends up being everything but film if that makes any sense Oh, it totally makes sense. That was kind of one thing I was going to ask you is what are the creative outlets you have other than work? And that's what you were explaining. Yeah, yeah. Your music. 
totally in your food. I really feel you on that too. It's my whole thing is I have to do something that's a little bit more tangible. And what I mean by that is um, like I've been doing martial arts for 20 years and I also do weapons in martial arts. And part of that is having something tangible in my hand uh, Mm -hmm. and creating something like with my body. So I see it as like um, you're on the computer, you're creating something and it's there. But like when you're done at the end of the day, you turn the monitor off, it's it's gone. I mean, it's not like gone, gone, but it's it's gone in a way. Totally. It's ephemeral. It's not tactile. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's just a non-tangible thing. It's in my hand. So sometimes like I go to class and I work with a weapon, I'm working with my body and I can feel, I feel mm-hmm. progress and I just feel grateful and appreciative that just, just for the, the movement that I have too. And then also being able to be able to control something like a weapon. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And I also just recently got into motorcycles too. And that's kicking off a whole bunch of other senses yeah, going yeah. on as well of like constant, you're being, you're in control. You're feeling this control. And that's all you can think about when you're on the bike is the bike and the traffic. Like you just, that's all you can think about. Like I don't, I have a Bluetooth in my helmet, but I don't turn it on. I don't listen to music. I need to listen to the world around me and like feel the sun and the wind and feel the bike and like the speed. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I need to tap into all these other senses after I feel like I'm, I've mentally put in a really long day being creative. I need to be creative in other ways. So having these tangible things, I just think is really important to kind of like to balance you out. So it's good that you have your music, you know, and your cooking. Yeah. It's, it's a a one-to-one connection with the physical world. Yeah, it's something you have to have. It, you really, really do. I think sometimes it's it's hard. I just I remember the very beginning of being in this business, and I would cancel my Christmas vacations. I remember I had to cancel a birthday once. I had to work late at a birthday party that I had planned. Like I remember I had to cancel a couple other vacations at the beginning because I was just like I have to prove myself. I have to do this. I have to work. You know, ninety hours a day. I got to get this done. I just didn't take any time to do these other things and then you just get burnt out it mm-hmm. just happens doing something so much for so long you will get burnt absolutely out. and then yeah and then taking that time to do other things so it was really really good for me that once I started really engaging in martial arts and in doing these other things I even play ice hockey too like I have to have oh, wow. these very like stimulative <laughs> like sports yeah. and things to do to to get me out of that it's I don't know if it's like an ADD thing or something but like sometimes sitting even by myself being remote, but you know, it's good for you Mm -hmm. because you know, you've got your son and all the things. But like, for me, I think I've always been in front of clients that like, I get this itch, like, like Dave Chappelle. I'm like, where's the clients at? (laughs) Talk to somebody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then I hop on discord. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, I don't know about you, but for, for me, I was going to say one thing I really love about freelancing is, uh, having been staff at various places, a weekend is almost enough time to recover and then start being creative, but it's not quite for me. And the thing I love about freelancing is getting, you know, a week or two off at a time. And, uh, it feels like I can actually relax and recover and then work on my own personal life, do my own personal projects and that sort of thing. A lot of people, or should I say a lot of artists, a lot of creative, sometimes I feel like it could go either way. They need to stay creative in that creative environment, doing other personal projects and personal things to keep the juices flowing kind of thing, like, which is totally fine. And some people don't. Some people want to do the exact opposite. And they're just like, mm-hmm. I can't even think about work, look about work. I need to do something exactly opposite. Um, and I, either mm-hmm. way, I think it's both healthy. It's good to 
to continue to do what you need to do to stay creative and then also take a break once yeah. in a while I think is really, really good. Yeah. Like right now, I think it's a really good time. It's like right before Christmas, you know, work is a little slow. I'm able to, to work on other things and I'm sure you get some time to be creative in your other environments mm-hmm. and do the things that you need to do to keep that up too, which is really good. Yeah. So, hey, how's it going for you so far? Are you enjoying this? Yeah, it's 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 not too bad. Yeah, I I, uh, I was so nervous this morning, and uh, now of course it's just like I'm talking to you like I would if we were talking about a job or something. Uh, so yeah, right? it's, it's super it, fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope I'm not saying um too much. That's okay. I can edit out later. Am, am I? Okay, okay. I'm just like super self conscious of all my weird ticks now. It's it's pretty funny, but but yeah, it's it's good. It's it's. You have a very calming demeanor, which is helpful, though. What? (laughs) (laughs) It's also a fun thing to be able to do these two. Like, I want to be able to give back to the community as much as I can. And I want to be able to help the community as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this on the Women of Flame episode that I did a couple months ago, where we talk about imposter syndrome. We even mentioned that a little bit earlier today, too. And every once in a while, it still creeps up on me. It still creeps up on other people and friends that I've talked to, too. And I think one of the ways that I'm trying to personally get over that a little bit is like, what can I contribute? And what can I do? And how can I help? And how can I let others shine? Mm -hmm. So one one of the things I was even talking with Crystal about, too, on the podcast with her, was that when I reached out to a lot of women on LinkedIn and ask them if they wanted to do that. A lot of people are camera shy, rightfully so. But one of the other things that a lot of them said was like, I don't know if I have anything to contribute. I don't know what to say. I don't know if, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh no, you guys are, everyone is good enough. Everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has something to share and everyone can learn something from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And this has been kind of my fun journey is I want to track into more of like junior, you know, junior and assistant artists too. Because they play a huge critical part in the comping process and the versioning process and that kind of stuff too. So which kind of leads me to ask you, like, what do you think is some of the most important roles that like a junior and assist do that maybe people might not know, people might not understand, or even people maybe even listening to this podcast that don't know too much about Flame, maybe people that are looking to be assistants that might not know, like, what do you think is an important role? Like, what people think assistants are one thing, but here's like what they actually do and what how they contribute. Yeah, I guess um, it's it's a funny thing because I think being a flame assistant, uh, one of the things, and I hate to say this, but it really helps to be very technical and have a technical understanding of things. There are a lot of times when it's you know just up to you to conform a million versions of a spot and. It's good to be able to wrap your head around time code and that sort of thing. But on a less scary note for people that don't know Flame and want to get into it, I think just being support, just asking how you can help, being willing to do a lot of behind the scenes things. And I think that's how you're going to get good, too, is um, doing Roto for the lead. And it might be boring, but you can get into it. And I don't know, there's and there's just sort of a million different little things. It's it's really, I think, being adaptable and being able to sort of just adjust to what's needed at the moment kind of thing. I hope that's an okay answer. Oh, yeah, it's a great answer. And I was just going to add to that and approaching everything with common sense, too. I think that's another Absolutely. one as well. You just, reminded, yeah. you just reminded me when I was working in editorial a long time ago. I think I've been in this business almost 20 years. Jeez. But when I was working in editorial, I remember, and this was, it was a different time, different age, different everything, you know, like 
mm-hmm. like 15 years ago or whatever. I remember that I got a lot of my editorial gigs because of being a female assistant. And hear me out. This is actually a really good thing too, is because I had the empathy and compassion in the room with the clients. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm always in the room with clients. So what I did notice is that like if I was working with a male editor, for example, and a female editor too, but mostly it was like the male editors would request me because we'd be working, 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 doing the dailies, helping them, doing my own cuts, whatever. And say, for example, I'd notice they haven't drank any water in three hours. Like <laughs> yeah. I just noticed they are getting irritable, right? And I can sense that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think if you're really highly tuned to like emotions, you're empathetic, you can sense that. So I just feel like, I'm like, you know what? Let's go for a walk. Let's go outside. Let's go take yeah. a walk. Come on, come on, yeah. come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. No, 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 I need to get, no, 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 no. Get, no, no, no. Let's go for a walk. Let's go do this, yeah. right? And so we get up, we go for a walk. And I'd be like, oh man, I'm like, you know what? Let's stop. Let's get in the fridge, get some water. You know, why don't we just go walk to Starbucks real quick? It's like right down the street, whatever. And I would go to the EP and I'd just be like, hey, just wait, we're going, we're going to Starbucks. We'll be back in a minute. And she's like, yeah, get him out of here, you know, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And they were just very appreciative that I noticed and I sense that too. And yeah. I think another thing is I, I put my dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> like <laughs> It was just these little things I've noticed, you know, and then it's like I would clean up after the clients just a little bit. Like I know there was client services, but I think it was just yeah. one of those things where it's like, I want to clean edit room too. I want your mm-hmm. desk to be clean too. And I'm, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I want stuff to be less dusty. And one of the things I always did too um, I would come in early and I would make sure Avid was up, Premiere, whatever. The speakers were on, the client monitor were on, the client speakers were on, and I would do a test. And I would make sure that everything was up and running yeah. before the clients got there. You know, it's not like we turned it on when the clients got there, but the room was fully functionable before my editor and clients got there. And that was because yeah. I didn't want to look like an ass with shit not working yeah. when I got there. So that was just me personally. I don't want to look bad. But then it's like rolls over to like, it, then the editor looks good and then the company looks good kind of thing. Yeah. So I just really had a lot of pride in like and i'm not saying male assistant editors cannot do this i'm just speaking for Mm -hmm. myself that like that was a lot of fun and i really noticed that i would like get close emotionally to people and clients and editors and producers because i cared so much about the environment too yeah and this 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 goes back to you know kind of what i was saying about just be willing to do whatever needs to be done Mm -hmm. to get the job done and yes it goes beyond flame it's don't think anything is below you. Like you just talked about doing Mm -hmm. client services, engineering and producers work for them, which is, you know, that's great. Do a little bit of everything, try to make everything run smoothly. And you also just have a more well-rounded idea of like what's going on in a studio. If you sort of approach it that way. Yeah. And I think you make friends with everybody that's there too. When you work at a big place, I say like, you know, maybe like Method, Company 3, it's a huge, beautiful facility. And so they have people that work in all those departments. Like if I just see an empty wine glass sitting out at an end table in the hallway, it's like, it's not my job. I get it. But at the same time, I'm walking to the kitchen. I'm just going to pick it up and take it kind of thing. And even the smaller places, I'm just going to put it in the dishwasher kind of thing. It's just it's one of those little things where it's like. Do we want this place to look like it's someone else's job or do we want to make it look like we're all we're kind of working together and we all want this to be a beautiful place too? Because we're yep. spending a lot of time there yeah. as well. <laughs> it, it also really, really helps to make friends with facilities and client services people. It's 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 good to just uh, be friendly to everybody, you know? It's it's not just about you and and the lead artists that you're working with. Absolutely. And everyone seems to have like a really good personality too. Like mm-hmm. anytime you talk to any client, like uh, the client services that work like night shifts and you just chat with them, they're so used to mm-hmm. maybe not being many people like in bigger facilities. But once you just get to chat and just get to know them, they're really funny. They're hilarious. Totally, they have personalities. Totally. You got to kind of have to have one to work in this business anyway. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
but For yeah, sure. it, it's good to know everybody. It's really fun. And just, it's just more pleasurable to know, you know, it's like if the, the trash mm-hmm. is full and I can't exactly take it and take the trash physically somewhere. Cause I don't know where it is. I will go and be like, Hey, the trash needs to be taken out. Who, like, who do I call? Like, who do I talk to to, to help facilitate that rather than just it keep piling up and then the room looks, yep. dirty, you know, kind of yep. thing. So, yeah. But yeah, I hear you on that. You're, yeah, you reminded me of that though. It was good times. <laughs> so if there was any, if there was any advice, and it could be anything for anyone that really wants to kind of move up and you know be an assistant flame artist and move up to senior, what's some advice that you could give for someone that maybe even doesn't even know uh, what flame is? Or they just know they want to composite. They have no clue. They've only heard of nuke. So it's like, what would you want to give to assistants that want to move up the flame chain? Yeah, I would say definitely it's great to be hyper focused on your career and dedicated if you want to, you know, be a flame artist to to flame itself, but I think you should really try to just uh, have a well-rounded life outside of work. Be interested in all kinds of stuff. And like I was saying, I didn't get into flame until, you know, halfway through my career, but it really helped to have a bunch of, I don't know, to know Photoshop, to know Avid, to to just kind of have a well-rounded skill set and to just be interested in how design and video stuff works. And all of that can translate to flame when when you start getting into it. But then on top of that, I mean, just be interested in all kinds of stuff. It's it's a we were talking about dealing with clients earlier. And if you're listening to good music and you have good stories to tell them about weird stuff that you did this weekend, like that's it's a just be well rounded, I guess <laughs> would be my advice. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on here and, and chatting about everything and no like your hobbies and all the stuff that you've worked on. It's really cool. I'm really glad I got a chance to connect with you and work with you earlier yeah. in your Wine and Kennedy. Yeah. But you've got, you've got such a great story. I love all the stuff that you're working on and your hobbies. This is cool. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. It was uh, really fun chatting with you. Awesome. Thanks again, Noah. No problem. Bye. All right. Bye. This episode of The Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. If you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match move, or cleanup, I highly encourage you to give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.hotspring.com See you next time.